Praise of his glorious grace. 
time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star and its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem, Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, Judea, and you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. But Herod, then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another Alexandria, circa 500 A.D., 
Malchior, Balthazar, Caspar. Tradition tells us that they were a diverse lot from Persia, India, and Ethiopia. And our nativity comes them into the stable scene soon after the shepherds have come to witness the baby Christ. But none of these narratives are actually strictly scriptural. There are, of course, schools of thought that assume the story of the wise men was inserted at a later date to support the claim that Jesus was the fulfillment of Hebrew scripture prophecies. And there are schools of thought, movements even, that work to prove the scientific evidence of the existence of the star of Bethlehem and the reality of the Magi at the birthplace of Christ. All of this leaves us wondering what really happened. The other day I heard someone say something along the lines of this. God doesn't deal with clarifying information and facts, but rather with the longings of our hearts. And this helps me a great deal in the face of such incomplete historical information. What are the longings of the heart that the mysterious magi speak to? My heart longs to know that the universe reacted to the birth of Christ, sending a guiding star and prestigious witnesses through whom we can vicariously kneel down before an infant God and offer ourselves our gifts our prayers. It is said that the wise men were the first to kneel before God, effectively starting Eastern and Western traditions of kneeling in prayer. There is a longing and need to be able to do as they did, and kneel and worship Christ in the dusty, smelling, very real time and place of his birth. This is a longing for a tangible experience of and also for something that transcends the everyday grind of life here and now. We live in a hustle and bustle world, far from the reality of these mystical magi who kneel before the cradle of Christ. We are consumed in the life we live, here and now with the flesh and blood people who we are in relationship with, and the responsibilities often seem to fall outside the realm of our faith. Perhaps one of the deepest longings of my heart has to do with wanting to know that God is with me and I am in relationship with God, even when life takes me away from overtly spiritual endeavors. Which is why the Magi story I am most drawn to is one written by Henry Van Dyke in 1899 story is called The Other Wise Man, and it is a fable to add to all of our other sacred imaginings about who the Magi were. I first heard the story when I was about ten years old. My mother used to read to us on our six-hour drive to upstate New York each Christmas to see her parents, and the book that she brought in the car one year was this particular treasure. There was According to Van Dyke, a fourth magi, a fourth astronomer, sorcerer, wise man, who, like his colleagues in various parts of the known world, also witnessed the star at its rising that proclaimed the birth of the Messiah. The fourth wise man's name was Artaban. Artaban sold his home and his possessions, bought three precious gems as a gift for the Christ child and began his journey to rendezvous with the other Magi, and then goes to Herod, and then goes to Bethlehem. Along the way, he came upon a dying man on the road. Magi are also physicians, so he stayed with the man and nursed him back to health. Artaban thus missed the caravan to Bethlehem. He came to a town in the desert where he sold one of his three gems, bought camels and supplies to make the journey on his own. But because of the delay, by the time he arrived in Bethlehem, Herod's soldiers were already there, hunting down all the male babies, in hopes of destroying the one who was perceived to be a threat 
that moment, the soldiers tried to come into the home where Artaban and the mother and the baby were hiding. Artaban used his second gem to bribe the soldiers to leave that baby alive. Then he continued his journey to Egypt in search of the Messiah. He never did come face to face with Christ, but he spent the rest of his life looking for him. Finally, he came to Jerusalem on the day that Christ was crucified. He had carried his last gem for 33 years, hoping to present it to Jesus. But before he could reach his goal, a slave girl ran by, pursued by her masters. He used his last gem to buy her freedom. And then an earthquake shook the land and caused a stone to fly off of a nearby building, hitting Artaban in the head and killing him. He died in the arms of a slave girl, bemoaning the fact that he had not found Jesus. In his dying moments, he apologized to Christ for failing to reach him, and Christ's voice came to him, assuring him that he had indeed met him bestowed gifts upon him each time he met and gave to those most in need. Artaban is us. He is us when life throws us curveballs, or when we can't seem to get out from under the demands of life and family and work in order to find ourselves in a deeply spiritual experience. Through Artaban's story, we hear Christ's voice telling us that we are with him and he is with us in the unexpected changes in plans and in the everyday journeys that we travel, which don't necessarily include the fame and prestige and glory that Balthazar, Melchior, and Caspar enjoyed. So who were the wise men, really? Where were they from? How many of them were there? What were their names? Maybe it doesn't matter in the factual sense. Maybe it is true that God doesn't deal in facts and information, but that God deals in sacred story and imagination, vehicles with which we express the longings of our hearts. Perhaps in the realities of our everyday context, and in the limitations of our human experience, stories like these, however historically accurate they are or are not, serve to illuminate the magic of the very real presence of God, woven through all that we are and all that we do.
let us pray for the church and for the world. In the Anglican Cycle of Prayer, we pray for the Diocese of Lagos West and Lagos Mainland in Lagos, Nigeria, for the worldwide Anglican community and for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury. In our Diocesan Cycle of Prayer, we pray for the ministries of St. Augustine's and St. Martin's Church, Boston, St. Stephen's Church, Boston, Trinity Church, Boston, the Northeastern University Lutheran Episcopal Campus Ministry, and the Boston Harbor Deanery. We pray for Catherine, our presiding bishop, and Alan and Gail, our bishops, and for all clergy and ministers. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for all in authority, remembering especially Barack, our president, Deval, our governor, and Charlie, our governor-elect. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, in your mercy, give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others, and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy, give us all whose lives are closely linked with ours, and grant that we may serve Christ in them, and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy, we pray especially today for Eric, Amy, Mary Emily, Betsy, Dan, Bailey, Susan, Claire, Beverly, Cynthia, Jada, Joan, Kirsten, Jim, Don, Ben, Bobby and Siggy, Dale, Wynn, the Cleary family, Harry, Wynn and Jenny, Spencer and Louisa, Kenneth, Olive, Kathy, Alona, Reverend Stephen, Susan, Deborah, Jane, Edie, Liz, those without jobs, those serving in the military, and all who work for peace. Are there others? Comfort and hear all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, and give them courage and hope in their troubles, and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy, we commend to you and your mercy all who have died, remembering especially Benjamin H. Burroughs, Jr., cousin of Claudia Levesne, Carol Barrows, Girls and Cheryl Holbrook, Marion Rasmussen, the mother of Linda Torres, and Rosemary Clark, wife of Bishop William Clark, former rector of our parish, and Betsy Barney, mother of Robert Barney. Are there others? That your will for them may be fulfilled, and we pray that we share with all your saints in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy.